now arriving downtown Santa Monica Station. Hey Adam, it's time for Notes on Your Notes. I'm Adam Lesser. And I'm Joshua Townsend Zellner. Welcome to Notes on Your Notes, a podcast about the creative process and storytelling. Mm-hmm. Josh has a blanket over his head. Because we're going for good audio today. How's your audio? So a little secret about recording audio is uh, a mm-hmm. lot of people do it in closets. Because what you want is an enclosed space with lots of fabric and no hard surfaces. So Josh has decided for today's episode to record with a towel over his head. Mm-hmm. Yep, I'm. I'm because I'm. I'm a committed artist that in this way, you know. I think it's just like life. You know. You know. You, you want to be in a space where there's no hard surfaces and a lot of like cozy, warm mm. kind of fabric yes. around you, softening everything. Mm-hmm. Softening every little touch. Yeah, just like life. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, micro macro. Mi- micro macro. Hmm? And it's like L.A. Everybody likes to be in their car in L.A. Just kidding, they don't. But I mention it because when I worked at NBC News, we, when we needed people to track in the field and there was nowhere to track because you didn't have a sound booth, you put them in a car. Because cars have lots of soft surfaces and they're enclosed. You can get a decent recording in a car as long as oh. it's not too loud outside. Yeah. That so. is such a great idea. I, I, I guess I'm going to have to go for more of a luxury brand, you know, like an Audi or a, you know, something, Lexus, something that has a little more than a Kia, you know? No, actually what you want is like an old, like late 80s Buick with just like a long bench seat and lots of like soft, soft like uh, coverings. That's what you want. That's brilliant, Adam. I'll go out and get like a 1980s Buick now and people go like, why are you doing that? The gas mileage is just horrible. I go, yeah, but it's a lot less than buying my own, you know, sound studio. It's a mobile recording studio. My dad had a, Blue and light blue two-tone Buick growing up uh, with a bench seat nice. in front. It was pretty nice. hot. It, I don't think they do that anymore, but there was this period in automobile manufacturing <laughs> where they painted the car two different colors. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't even think, like, it was. they had a name for it. It was called a two-tone. Wow. How creative. <laughs> How did they come up with those names? <laughs> So when we call when we paint it two different colors, what should we call it? I don't know. How about two tone? Brilliant! <laughs> I thought it was actually pretty good. <laughs> you should be a writer. Yeah, well, I come up with this stuff all day long. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I don't. I'm just the guy in creative. Yeah. Uh, so Josh is doing his Lawrence of Arabia right now while he. Mm-hmm. Today's episode is about. Oh, we were going to look for a joke. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. a good joke. Mm-hmm. All the jokes I know are just really not appropriate for air. Oh, can I share something that I wanted yeah. to talk about? You asked me last, in a, one of our last episodes, you were like, what's the anomaly thing that you do? What, what are something that you oh, do yeah, that yeah, no yeah. one like would the, expect? Because I talked do. about how I love watching basketball, and sometimes people are surprised because that's not totally aligned dude, with... Dude, when you told me that, yeah, when you told me that, I mean, that's almost cringeworthy. It's like, oh, no, you in a sports bar. Oh, wow. You know what I mean? It's yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, and then on top of that, the girl has to wait for you because, like, you're into the game and you're, like, in San Luis Obispo. I mean, it's burned in my memory now. 
Anyway, but uh, enough talk about you. Let's talk about me. <laughs> so, so you ready for me, this? Joshua, what's the anomaly? What's the thing that people are like, oh, Josh is into what? hot dogs? What? Is- he does what? I go to the gym. Ah, that is pretty good. Isn't that? I Where was do like, you go? 24-hour fitness. Nailed it. Josh Townsend, night owl. A lot of people don't know this well about Josh is he goes to bed at like four in the morning every day, which is why I'm a morning person and Josh is an extreme night person. We literally have like two hours a day to work yeah. together. Uh, so what do you do at the gym? Mm. Do you try to convert people to yoga? Yeah, there <laughs> Do you, you try go. to recruit out of there? Is it like Scientology? Yeah. Yeah, there you go. I, I go into the pit of hell to help redeem these people. Like, what yeah, are you exactly. doing? Um, I actually go there and I do a little treadmill action. I do interval training, um, which I uh, really I like enjoy. Mm-hmm. Hmm? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I'm listening. That's great. Yeah, yeah. And then I also, um, I love doing, um, I love doing body weight stuff. So I like to do dips, pull-ups. I just got, I get so inspired when I get to do balance work. Like, you know, where you try to balance on one of those half circle things and then you oh, do you lo- the wobble board. And, and then you, oh, yeah. I've, they've, yeah, yeah, I need yeah. to get a wobble board. Apparently, it's really good for your ankle stability. Oh, it's great for everything because, you know, it's great for your core. It's great for uh, hand eye coordination. It's great for everything, but, you know, internal balance. Um, and it makes for me, see, and this is what's like a little weird about me in terms of like, w- when my full body is being asked to do something that has focus and concentration, I love it. Like to to go to go into one of those little chair things where you do the bicep curls, it's not so interesting to me. But I have to if I have to balance my whole body as I curl, I'm in. I'm telling you, I love this stuff because it re- re- relates back to basketball, which is that you know basketball as a game has changed a lot in the last twenty years. In what way? Uh, it's become much faster, uh, and all of the big men, the guys like six, seven, and above, mm-hmm. they all can shoot now. They're all expected to shoot and basically behave like point guards, like guards. They they can dribble a lot of them. So the game has gotten much faster, and a lot of it is through extreme training um, and ability. The other thing that's changed is that a much larger percentage of shots are three pointers now because shooting has gotten better, and these. Basically, everything has gotten faster and from deeper. And like, probably the Warriors are an example of this, but there was this player, Kevin Garnett, who came out in the early 2000s who was like 6'11 and could shoot and could dribble. He was like this freak of nature. It's all like, and also like, you know, it's like these guys' workouts are so crazy now. Like, I, I wish you, like, just Google videos of Steph Curry or even LeBron James. But, and to your thing, like, they're asked to do like multiple things at the time. So they're like balancing on one leg while someone's tossing a basketball at one hand and then the other hand they're doing like a bicep curl. And it's all to have them be able to do like core stability with multiple different movements at the same time. Um, But Steph Curry is really interesting actually. Let's talk about basketball. So Steph Curry is probably the best shooter in the world right now. Mm -hmm. He's on the Warriors, won a few titles. Hmm. He sprained his ankle like I think 11 times. Just like you. Like in his early, yeah, I have a foot injury, everyone. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, not a sprained ankle, but an in- injury to the metatarsal bone. Uh, I, love and, it. I love it when you speak Latin. I speak Latin. <laughs> uh, and uh, he was basically like, it's interesting because like, you, you know, this relates to story and narrative. And he, 
there was a period where he didn't think he'd play basketball again. He kept spraining his ankle, and then he found the right, like, workout rehab thing. And the guy literally is, like, an insane maniac in the gym and just did these extreme core exercises and rehab. So he's, like, super – he's just so strong, and he's never had another sprained ankle, I don't think. And he became – but he went from basically being, like, sort of a B player who might never have a career again to, like, the best two or three players in the world. Um, and it was all because of like this very, very extreme core and leg stability training that he does that is really intense. And I like watching those videos because it's kind of like inspiring about the body and strengthening the body. So I'm going to tie it directly into to the creative process. So what I'm hearing you say translated into our world in the creative arts is that he changed the foundation. And literally your ankle... Your ankle is part of your foundation. It's the first point in your relationship to the earth that has um, 360 mobility. Yeah, I agree. It's it's definitely like, how do you... And also just, yeah, what, being willing to change things entirely. So I'm going to I'm gonna go to someone uh, who was hugely famous in the 80s. Um, and uh, what's his name? Just did a documentary on his life, Luciana Pavarotti. And at the height of his career, at the height of his career, when he's making his the most money, the most popular, yada, 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 I believe he took anywhere from one to three years off to go retrain his voice. Yeah. And then he reemerged even stronger and even better. That's a specific gene. That's a very interesting gene I've noticed because people talk about Tiger Woods that way. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Tiger Woods had won all these titles and he decided to change his swing, completely had to relearn his swing. Mm-hmm. And he was the best player in the world. Mm-hmm. And when people do that, I'm just so fascinated because, like, you have to have such a belief in, like, deli- like you have to be so committed to the art form almost. Because mm-hmm. you actually, it's, like, really you against the game. It's not really you against anybody else at that point. Oh, you're not trying yeah. to. You're not trying to do anything. Like, when Tiger Woods does that, he may be competitive, but he's actually trying to just – he's trying to take, like, the game to the next level more than he's trying to beat anyone. And it's like with Pavarotti, he didn't need to do that. He didn't need to People do already, it. He, he's already, like, the best opera singer in the world, right, at that point, or one of the best. Like, he doesn't need to do that. It's more like he's like, what is possible? Yeah. I, I'm gonna, it's a curiosity about what's possible for for themselves, and that's and that has to yeah. do with self expression, which is part of the you know the foundation for the arts. Yes, and because they're just not interested in garnering the award. Because if if see that's short term, long term as well. It's like if I'm a short term player, then all I want is the award. I just want the award, and then I'm done because you know uh, the goal has been achieved. But if my goal is personal self expression, it changes everything. Right. That's right. And if your goal is to see what is the next new innovative thing I can do in my work, mm-hmm. regardless of expectation, mm-hmm. that's, that's a different orientation. So what we're really saying here is, is make sure that your orientation is in, is in alignment with who you are and what you're doing as an artist and be willing to give it all up. From from the little idea of like, oh, this is how my story should end, all the way up to the approach that you're using to, for your work. Because here's the other element is the very thing that may have helped you um, 
in the beginning, at the beginning of your development, could also be the very thing that is your is your detriment today because of your growth. It's like everybody wants a formula they can go back to again and again. And what works for that, you know, like, quote, unquote, what works for me. Mm-hmm. And I think that's great. I think people do figure that out at a point and it becomes a, a place of safety. Mm-hmm. But then there are other points where you're like, I need to completely tear this up and start over. You see this a lot in scripts. Yeah. Where it's like people just keep hacking away and they try to figure out what the story is actually about. Mm-hmm. And I I think it's a little the analogy is like some people ultimately see the glimmer and the seed of what it actually is, the story is, and it's not anything they wrote, and it's a very small portion of people who are willing to then rip apart the foundation and start over. Yes. And it's not even, another perspective is it's not even starting over. It's actually viewing everything you did before as part of get, getting to where you as are part now. Of, yeah. So Tiger Woods' swing, which he changed, he needed that other swing before he got to the current swing. Yes. It's the difference between going through and going to. Yeah. So you're going, you're going through the, these different stages of development that are imperative to the ultimate goal that you're reaching. I agree. And that's that's another thing that makes all the difference in the world. Am I going through something or am I going to something? Because if I go to, that's the short-term goal. That's the end point. And that can actually be the distraction as well. It could also be a source of frustration. Because if that to point is not the ultimate point or it's not the point that's really helpful, it'll actually act as a disservice to what you're trying to accomplish. And also, you usually come at it with a preconceived idea of where that end goal is. Preconceived ideas are really important to having fr- certain levels of frustration. Absolutely. <laughs> Anger, angst. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If we can drop those, wow, a lot more space for more creativity. So, you know what that's, that, that's ushering in, though, even though we hadn't planned this, Adam? Is this, mm-hmm. is this element of when you're going to work on a project, you, have, you basically have two different approaches. The first approach is to go with a fragment, an idea, a, con, uh, a fragment or idea or like, like um, uh, Russell, what's that guy? Uh, do I make you horny, baby? What's that guy? Mike Myers. Mike Myers, Mike Myers was doing that, uh, Austin Powers, <clears throat> what became Austin Powers. And it how, many, how, many, how many of those came up? Three or five or whatever. But it all started, according to him in his interview, it all started with him having a six or seven year hiatus or maybe it was two or three. He was in some hotel room or someplace in a a bathtub and his wife was washing her teeth or whatever, brushing her teeth. And he was in the tub and he was blowing bubbles in the tub. And he looks up at her as he blows bubbles and goes, do I make you horny, baby? And so that's a fragment, and that fragment became Austin Powers, which then produced all these films. So that's one extreme. The other extreme is to do a thing about, I want to do a story about revenge and redemption. So that's taking like the biggest possible theme and now bringing it down into a character, a story, etc. Or you can start on the other extreme, which okay. is one little fragment. So we've... <clears throat> hmm? We've talked about this, and I have a reasonably strong bias here. <laughs> tell me. Tell um, me your bias, Adam. I think it is much more helpful for people to move from detail to the larger thematic 
in terms of telling a story and just getting that story done. I think it's very hard to sit down and be like, I'd like to do a, a, a story about um, love and redemption. There's something about that that I've always felt is a little uh, lofty and ungrounded and stories have to be so grounded in detail and relationship. Mm -hmm. And so I'm much more inclined to say, to have someone tell me, you know, my father kept this box next to his bed with his Vietnam War medals mm -hmm. and every year on the anniversary of his, of his, uh, you know, of a fellow soldier who died, he takes him out and looks mm -hmm. at him. I'm like, okay, that's great. Now we have a detail to ground a character mm -hmm. in and we can start building a story and we can see what themes emerge. Mm -hmm. But I do know there are people, um, I think you've sometimes used P.T. Anderson, his example of uh, a phantom thread, which I think did start in a bit of a different way where they, they wanted, they said, let's do something about this. Yeah. Uh, right? Like there are different ways of exactly. working. But and I, I, maybe you would say, well, you figured out what's right for you. And I would say, I agree. I figured out what's right for me. I've also encountered people who try to do the other way and struggle. So it's really about self-awareness and it's really about knowing who you are and what your process is. And also every project is different from project to project. And by and large, yes, you, by and large, I, I have to say that most people I know and work with start with the fragment. And, and build out from that and make discoveries along the way. And every once in a while, there's people that want to work from the largest thing and then they want to go the other direction. And the important part here is, is to have self-awareness and to identify which one tends to help you the most, not fight, not fight against yeah. yourself and go with what is. Because ultimately, even though your starting point is the same, it's the same, you know, you're going to, you, you have to work, you have to work the other direction ultimately. So to me, it doesn't make a difference because it's just your starting point. So in Josh Townsend land, I would take the position of the Okay, opposite. yes. Uh-huh. Please. So sometimes I do. So I, what I, like, so I was thinking as you were talking, I was like, well, if I were to start it the other way, like from the macro level, like, is there something thematically that I'm just like, well, I'd really like to do something about that. Um, and I do think, I was like, sometimes I think about what is home, mm -hmm. right? Like, what is mm -hmm. what is home? Now, that is a very broad mm -hmm. question, yeah. right? That's an extremely broad question. So now I would sit down and say, okay, all right, what is home? Like, how would I build a story out of this question, this very mm -hmm. broad thematic question? I'd be like, is home an internal sense? Is it geographic? Can you go home when you leave home? You know, like... Yeah. Uh, do you see what I'm saying? Like that feels foreign mm -hmm. to me to yeah. work like that. Uh, but I would try. Oh, I'm not suggesting that people go outside of what feels you know, like significantly foreign. I'm just suggesting that know that whatever starting point you use internally as part of your process, you're going to have to wind up going to the opposite end eventually anyhow. So it's, yeah. it's just your starting point and to really respect in your organic starting point, but to know it and go, you know what, I, this is how I start. Because ultimately, if you're writing a, a piece of uh, something about, uh, about like, give me um, uh, the little lines that people draw on, on door jams as children grow, right? And so if I right. use that as my fragment um, and... Uh, Ultimately, what I'm going to maybe explore, if that's my beginning fragment, is I'm going to explore what it really means to have a home. I'm mm -hmm. to total. 
Right. So detail. Right. So you went from broad to detail, thematic yeah. to detail. Yeah. So I went from a, a, a hyper a hyper still frame of just those little lines on the door jam that everybody recognizes in our in our culture to to your ultimate theme. But both extremes need to one day be explored. So yes. here's our here's the takeaway for today, which is which is have self awareness as to which one it is that you like or which one you you're you're drawn to, uh, and acknowledge it and to honor it, and to know that it's your starting point, and it, ultimately you get to explore the other side as well. At some point in that process. Mm. There's there's something yes. else there, Adam. I yes. can hear it in your voice. What what? I hear it in your yes. Well, I'm wondering actually the reverse, which is like, let's say you start to develop details mm -hmm. of a story and do you then like, are there moments where you're like, what is this yes. about thematically? And should I consider it about thematically so that I can yes. then write the next scene? Cause I wouldn't say that I personally do that as much. I follow the threads of the character and the challenges that the character is facing personally and how I work. But I do know like, Sometimes I will, after I've written a full draft of something, look at it and be like, what's the thematic thread of this character? Like, what is this story really about? And that can be helpful in a rewrite. Abs oh, yeah. This is definitely... Well, first of all, this is going to be more applicable to uh, long form as opposed to short form, because in short form, you don't really have the complexities that you have that you're dealing with in short form. In longer form, you definitely want to take a step back after first, second, third draft and go, okay, now what is this really about? Because when you start to really ask those harder questions and to really define and redefine what that is, then the main threads that you're going to be using to, to, to weave together to create a strong um, core for your uh, narrative uh, will become uh, easier to self-select. It'll become easier to make those choices. When you, you'll get more refined at being able to choose what's in a lot, what this, what's in a line with the story. And yes. as you cut, you cut away thing, you cut away scenes and plot lines that are not about the core thematic. Exactly. Of your character. And, 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 it, and if you don't have that, that terra firma, if you don't have that solid ground to, to, to pick from, it makes doing final edits really challenging. Cause then it's like, well, how, how do I make those choices? I yeah. think that's, that makes sense. Absolutely. Okay. Okay. Micro to macro, macro to micro. Just figure out who you are <laughs> and how you work. Yeah, that's all. Just An figure experiment. out who you are. Done. Yeah. Dunsies. Dunsies. This has been Notes on Your Notes. You can find updates about next episodes on Facebook and Instagram where you could like us. You can also rate us on Apple Podcasts, which is always helpful for more people finding out about the show. If there's a show you like, post it on social media. We like that. Tag us. We'll say thank you. Josh will say thank you because he's a social media maven. I'll have to create a social media account. JK, I have him. Uh, the sound on today's show is courtesy of Kevin McLeod, and the editing and design is courtesy of me. We'll talk to you next week.